Hello. Are we on? We're on. Hi, guys. Blackouts, blackouts and, and babies. Oh, cute. <laughs> Where we talk about everything from getting blackout drunk to having babies and everything in between. We got a good one for you this week, as per usual. Yeah. But before we do we'll that, talk about it. what's your favorite thing this week? It was Halloween yesterday, and that was really fun. Having a 2.5-year-old little stink. He just loved it. He ran from house to house. He was so cute. <laughs> he was so excited. They st- swung by my house. He was the star of the show. <laughs> we probably only hit like 15 houses, which I think is pretty good for a little guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the last ones we went to, I don't know if he felt like he was like, like this whole thing was like too impersonal or something. But <laughs> He's a pretty personal guy. <laughs> like one of the last houses, the girl gave him Miss Candy. She was probably a mid-teenager. Mm-hmm. And he, she gave her Miss Candy and he's like, hey, I want to talk to you. <laughs> so she like got down and they had a little conversation. So I cute. He just wanted to connect with someone. Yeah. He's like, I don't, he's like this isn't candy? this a lot? Or <laughs> is this normally how it is? You just give it to me and I run? Yeah. Like, hmm. So That's I thought that was pretty funny. So funny. What's your favorite? I have a lot of favorite things, but my favorite this week was our family breakfast. Oh, yeah. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> that was fun. That was like, so, we needed it, like you said. Yeah. Like, I wanted to test out a new recipe, so Bryce and Shari and Bryce's brother Nate came over, and we all just had breakfast together. And Rippy, of course. And um, then we ended up just, like, hanging out and, like, we made t- tra- we trying all made to figure TikToks. out how to make TikToks, <laughs> and we're just lounging. It was so fun. It was nice. Yeah. We're always doing something, so it was nice to just like not do sit anything. for a minute, yeah. And play TikToks. We're slowly learning, so get we're on TikTok. Get on TikTok and follow us. I think each one of us made a video that day, mm-hmm. so so we're gonna go viral. Oh, but that's another thing is like we posted a video on Instagram, yeah, and it was just one of the ones where we're messing around on our road trip, and it got like over ten thousand views. Oh yeah, so it got ten thousand views on Facebook. Oh, on Facebook. On Instagram, I think it only got like 3,000 views, but... Still! I know. Listen, in my book, that's viral, and I don't care. <laughs> when you're over 30, that's viral. We'll be wearing sunglasses in public. Yeah, so... <laughs> but yeah, follow us on Instagram, or on TikToks. My TikTok is at ShariG87. Mine's at Mallory Boren. M-A-L-L-O-R-I-B-O-R-E-N. We'll put, we'll put it in the show notes, too. Yeah. What's your bitch? Uh, my bitch. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's just that seasonal depression sliding into my DMs. Oh. All fucking ready. Not ready for it. And it's uh, daylight savings this weekend, so. Daylight savings is my bitch, coming. too. Mm-hmm. Because that's when I really take a turn for for the old, the big D. Mm-hmm. The big D and the big A. Yeah. <laughs> The big D is not in the big A. <laughs> the big D and the big Anxiety, A. you per <laughs> Yeah, it's sickish. Anxiety. Yeah, that but was yeah. mine too. Yeah, it's dark outside and that reflects what my heart looks like. For until real. March. I think I have, like, I have my anxiety definitely peaks when it starts to get dark sooner. That There has to be something to that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, I kind of think it's. Because of all the um, running around that comes with this time of year, too. Mm. Like, there's too much interaction with people. Mm-hmm. But And there's zero after January 1st. Yeah. So. That's my sweet spot. <laughs> See, after I do, January 1st. I do fine. You, I mean, I, it's starting to roll in. But I do fine until 
like mid-January, because then it's nothing. That's true. Nothing to look forward to. Mm -hmm. You can't really go outside. You know? If you came here for a pep talk, you ain't going to get one from us today. And just go to bed. Let's just <laughs> cry together. Yeah, I feel yeah. you. If you got the seasonal D <laughs> or A, you're not alone. <laughs> uh, do you have any news or anything? I wanted to talk about that song that I sent you that Jane, my sister sent me. Oh. Gee. Oh. oh. And I'll have a drink. I'm hoping I'm saying all this correctly because I've never heard of the one person. Hardy and Lainey Wilson, Wait in the Truck. It's so good. It made me cry for a long time, but I've listened to it at least 30 times now and I don't cry anymore. Yeah. So it's yeah. really good. Um, I did have another bit of awesome news though. Yeah. Our lovely friend Amber that listens to us on the reg. It's her birthday today. What? Yeah. Dang it, we're late. Kind of. So well, yeah, we're late. But her, day, her birthday's today, November 1st. And this is coming out November 3rd. So we're two days late. And a dollar short. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Amber Love. We love you so much. <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay. Okay, guys. This week's episode, we are going to talk about American Indian Heritage Month. Yes. November 1st is the first day of American Indian Heritage Month. We're going to share a few things, and um, I will put all of our information in the show notes so that you can look more in-depth into it all as well. So, me and Shari have always been, like, super interested and respectful of... Native American culture, so we thought it would be cool to share this stuff. I do want to say this, like, we're not politically correct people, but we do have a very deep respect for American Indian heritage and history, and we're not, like, we don't know what is politically correct in any culture, really, so right. if we say something wrong, we don't mean it, we have a very deep respect for it, so. Right. We ain't good at learning stuff. Yeah. But no, I, like, for me, I've always had, like, this like, draw to it. Same. That I couldn't really explain. But I, I tried to kind of list off why. Like, I, I love how in their history, like, they just lived off the land. That's amazing. That's why, I like, I love watching, like, survival shows and stuff because it kind of throws it back to that. And I really appreciate their, like, spiritual beliefs and even mm -hmm. the folklore that comes from Native American culture is really cool. So if you mm -hmm. get a chance to look into that, it's really... Awesome. Just yeah. the way that they think about things and where we came from and how we evolve is really cool. Yeah. And like the deep connection to nature. I think that's probably why we're so drawn to it. Yeah. Like they lived off of nature and like a lot of their spiritual things are tied to nature. And something else I wanted to say because I am such a conspiracy theorist, but it's not conspiracy because just their history is a testament that you you can't trust your government to take care of you because that was the promise all along. Well, you go live on these reservations. We'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. So I think it's just like their whole history in that era is just a testament to like how we need to remember today. If the government says they want to take care of you, you, you can't, you know. So yeah, that's don't why, just believe them. Yeah, that's why history is so important. Yep, and, I totally so. agree. I was doing some research and I found some things that I thought was pretty cool that the Native Americans or American Indians invented that we still use today. All right. So I thought it would be kind of cool. Number one, this one's a given, corn. Oh, yeah. 
And the history... Okay, I'm going to bore the shit out of you. And I'm not going to go into it. A big lump knobs. <laughs> okay. They actually... It took them thousands of years to cultivate corn the way we have it today. Corn oh. didn't have the big lump with knobs. Okay? It wasn't the most beautiful thing right there at the beginning. So it took Native Americans thousands of years to, like, create it so it's something that you could eat. Huh. Kind of cool. Rubber. What? Kayaks. Mm-hmm. Snow goggles. What? Yeah. How? I don't know. Okay. Listen, I'm Cliff Noten here. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> there was some stuff that I'm like, if I go down that hole, two hours into the corn situation. <laughs> um, cable suspension bridges. Huh. Kind of cool. Yeah. Raised bed agriculture. Uh, baby bottles. I can't let my mind wander too far. I have an idea. An animal stomach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go on. Anesthetics and topical pain relievers. Oh, yeah. And then syringes and hammocks. All things I love and That's adore. That's good shit. Mm-hmm. We're just going to tell a few stories about some Native Americans that kind of changed their path or made an impact. So I'm going to totally butcher this name. Susan LaFlesha Picote was the first Native American woman to receive a medical degree in the United States, graduating from the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania in 1889. Can you believe that shit? That's insane. Like, back then, a woman and a Native American woman. I think that's just fucking badass. But this is why she did this. She was a member of the Omaha tribe. She grew up on the Omaha Reservation in Northeast Nebraska, where she once once watched a Native woman die because the local white doctor refused to give her care. Since that memory was what inspired her to become a physician, she eventually returned to Nebraska, where she established a private practice serving both Native Americans and white patients, which I'm like, okay, that's yeah. badass. How, how would you not be so hateful? I know. I'd just be like, no. That's a bad bitch. Yeah. She died of cancer, and two years before her death in 1915, she achieved her life's dream when she opened her own hospital on the reservation. And get this, the first hospi- hospital built on Native American land without government assistance. Wow. So this lady's fucking cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I thought so. Yeah, what, what do you got? Okay, so I'm going to talk about a woman named Sarah Winnemucca. So she was born somewhere near 1844 at Humboldt Lake in what is now Western Nevada. She was born to a Shoshone Indian who had joined the Paiutes by marriage, and her father was actually a war chief of a small band of people, of about 150 people. Hmm. The good relationships that her family had with white Americans actually started with her grandpa, who was named Truckee. Oh, Truckee, Nevada. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so his name was Truckee, and he fought in the Mexican-American War, which is where he created friendships with a lot of the white people. Mm. So because of his connection, her grandpa was able to get her and her sister a job working for a white guy's family, like, in their house. Mm. But what it did for her was she learned how to read and write and speak English fluently. So when the Paiute War erupted between the Pyramid Lake Paiutes and the settlers there, Sarah and some of her family, they decided to bounce to San Fran. Mm. And so while they were there, they and I don't know what this means. Like, I couldn't find a lot of information on it, but 
While they were there, in order to make money, they performed on a stage as a Paiute royal family. So I have no idea. Like, was it plays? Hmm. Like, what were they doing? I don't know. Um, You can't really find a straight answer. But in 1865, while they were gone, their band was actually attacked by the U.S. Cavalry, and they killed 29 Paiutes, and that included Sarah's mom. To me, that would mean that I'd be a fuck you guys, Mm -hmm. you're done. But at 27, Sarah began working for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and that was in 1871, as an interpreter. So she would translate for um, the white people in the Paiute tribe. So Sarah became an advocate for the rights of Native Americans and traveled around the U.S. telling Americans about the suffering that they caused her people and what they could do to help her people. So when the Paiutes were held captive in concentration camps, there's one in Yakima, Washington, after the Bannock War, if you looked into this, there's wars all the goddamn oh, time. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So after the Bannock War, she traveled to Washington, D.C. to lobby Congress to release them. Which, mm. imagine this. 1871, 1870s, and a Native American woman is traveling <laughs> to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Like, that's brave that's as big. shit. That's big. Yeah, that's huge. She also served the U.S. forces as a messenger, uh, an interpreter, and a guide. And also a teacher for imprisoned Native Americans. Oh, to, like, teach them to read and write and mm-hmm. stuff? Cool. In 1884, Sarah published Life Among the Paiutes, Their Wrongs and Claims. And it was a book about, like, it was a memoir, but also a history of the Paiutes and their 40-year, at the time, 40-year relationship with European Americans, but, like, white Americans. Mm-hmm. And it's considered the first known autobiography but written by a Native American woman. After the book, she toured the United States and gave lectures and did a lot of cool shit, continued on her path of helping the Native American people. And then she started a private school in Lovelock, Nevada. She passed away in 1891. They don't even really know for sure how old she was. They think she mm. was like 46 or 47. Mm. Which is so young. Imagine yeah. accomplishing all that shit. So, not until 1993 was she inducted into the Nevada Writers Hall of Fame. And in 2005, the state of Nevada um, contributed a statue of her that is in the National Statuary Hall collection. Cool. I kind of want to read that book. I kind of do too. Like, written in the late 1800s. It's going to be hard to follow. Yeah, it might be, but I, I'm interested just, like, even just to see, like, how it's written and, like, the verbiage and, you know, like, even just that kind of stuff is interesting yeah. to me. Okay, who else you got? <laughs> that was a long one, but if you, that's, like, the super condensed version. She did so much cool shit. And she also got backlash from a lot of the Paiute Indians, too, because mm. she was helping and translating and, like, a part of the white culture, too. Yeah. But it was really like a bridge between yeah, the two. It was, it was the only way. Yeah. So my gal, she did a lot for her people. <laughs> <laughs> I like her, though. I think she's a fucking badass. Like, mm. I've never heard about this lady. I'm not saying her name right. Lozen. L-O-Z-E-N. I'm going to say Lozen. So this quote is from Apache Chief Victorio. Lozen is my right hand, strong as a man, braver than most. 
and cunning in strategy. Lozen is a shield to her people. Just a badass. Yeah. Fucking badass. Okay. So Lozen is the younger sister to that chief. Apache chief, um, Victorio. She was a skilled warrior, shaman, and prophet of the Cheyenne Chiricahua people. So she was born in about 1840 in the, like, the New Mexico, Arizona, northern Mexico area. As a young girl, she showed little interest in the traditional roles of men and women and spent most of her time with her brother, Victorio. She began riding horses at, at the age of seven, and soon she could outrun any of the men. She also learned how to use a war club, spear, bow, and rifle from her brother. When she reached the age of woman, her womanhood ceremony, she was courted by many men and let it be known that she would never marry. Instead, she undertook and succeeded at the hardship of warrior training. Afterward, the council accepted her and she became a lady warrior. But can we take a moment to appreciate a good war club? That would be my... (laughs) That would definitely be my weapon of choice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She also studied medicine and became a renowned medicine woman um, with extensive knowledge of medicinal properties of plants and minerals. By the time she was 20 years old, she also became an expert at stealing horses, which earned her her name of Lozen, which means dexterous... Horse thief. <laughs> okay. No, I'm like a woman of many talents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fighting alongside her brother and the other warriors, she participated in warrior ceremonies and often sat on the council ceremonies. When riding with the warriors, she said she was gifted with the ability to detect the movement of her enemies. With this gift, she performed a ritual um, to let her know which direction they were approaching. Um, I know. So that would help them, her and her people, avoid capture. She was not the only woman in the warrior band. The Teste um, was also a companion of Lozen on many raids. So Victorio and Lozen and their band began to retaliate against the army. So they were eventually driven out of their lands and subdued and convinced to move on to a reservation in New Mexico. And then they kind of kept moving around, getting moved around um, and pushed around. So in 1877, Lozen and her brother led a band of 300 warriors, women and children, back to their original home. It looks, sounds like they left. Immediately, the army tried to force them back, um, but they evaded capture. As Victoria and, Victorio and his warriors held off the cavalry, Lozen took the women and children ahead. The women and children were too scared to cross the Rio Grande, but immediately, as soon as she took the lead, the other women and children followed her into the Raging River. Lozen spoke to one of the great-grandmothers when they reached the Far River Bank. She said, you take charge now, I must return to the warriors. And then there's a quote from a little girl in the band. It says, I saw a magnificent woman on a beautiful horse. Lozen, sister of Victorio, the woman warrior. Which I thought was really cute. Um, another story of Lozen. I'm not sure why this this mother, this new mother, was on her own. But Lozen left the band to escort a new mother and her brand new brand newborn baby across the Chihuahuan des- desert from Mexico to the M- Mescalero Reservation, equipped with only a rifle, a cartridge belt, a knife, and a three-day food supply. Traveling through ter- territory occupied by Mexican and U.S. cavalry forces, she used her knife to kill a longhorn in fear that a gunshot would betray, would betray their presence. Which I'm like, what? How, how'd you do that on foot? Anyway. She just ran a longhorn <laughs> down? Yeah. Jesus. She then stole a Mexican cavalry horse for the new mother, um, escaping through a volley of gunfire, and then stole a vaquero's horse for herself. 
She also required the soldier's saddle, rifle, ammunition, blanket, and canteen, and even his shirt. The shirt off his back. <laughs> As if it wasn't enough. <laughs> I She's love like, that. you know what? Before I go, give me the fucking shirt, too. Yeah, finally, she delivered um, the mother and her baby to the new reservation. Uh, two years later, most of them were sent to an, a new another reservation. Apparently, they just kind of moved them all over the place. Yeah, all the that, time. that's what I was getting to, is a lot of it was like, okay, we're going to put you here. Actually, let's put you here. Like, sounds like a whole lot of that. So, but, so it sounds like they continued fighting the U.S. Army. So her brother was killed in battle. Lozen and the, the other woman, Dateste, began negotiating peace treaties with the U.S. Army. And then the American leaders dismissed the peace treaties and kept doing what they were going to do. Well, there's a shocker. Regardless, right? Um, so... You don't hear about that anywhere in history. <laughs> the government will take care of you. Yeah. So they, they continued to rebel and continued to fight. So finally... They did get um, captured and sent down to a prisoner camp in Florida. Holy shit. Yeah. From Mexico? Mm-hmm. Where Lozen died of tuberculosis in 1889. So she would have been, like, 50. That's crazy. Yeah. So she was just cool. And um, another quote from someone else. It says, The stories of Geronimo, Crazy Horse, and Custer pale beside the tale of another warrior. The one who fought relentlessly, successfully, and against all odds, almost continuously for 40 years. But you've probably never heard of her. I, I like, like her, her a lot. lot. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. So this lady, her name is Chief Wilma Mankiller. Wilma. The name is fire. I love it. So she was born in 1945. She was an activist social worker, community developer, and the oh. first ever woman to be elected to serve as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Oh, wow. <laughs> she was known for helping rural and somewhat poverty-stricken communities and reservations. She helped them to rebuild and restructure so that they could stand on their own. So during her time as chief, she helped the Cherokee Nation build new health clinics, establish ambulance services, early education programs, adult education programs, and job training programs. And then she developed revenue stream for Cherokee reservations and communities. So she basically went to these reservations and helped them be more sustainable on their own. So she helped them start, um, like, open retail stores and restaurants. And they also taught the tribe to manage their own finances mm-hmm. as well. So she was the chief, the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation from 1985 to 1995 Whoa. and passed away in 2010. That's insane too. I mean, I'm telling you, these women here. They're just strong, like strong women. Yeah. And that's badass. Okay. So my last one is about a man. His name was Ira Hayes and he was born in 1923. And he was, this is, I'm going to butcher this. He was a part of the Akamel Odom tribe. Mm, I've never heard of that one. They used to call them the Pima tribe, and they are in, like, southern Arizona. Oh, okay. He served in the United States Marines as a paramarine, which was a specialized combat unit who trained to jump out of airplanes and parachutes, like, directly into the action in World War II. Show. So, pretty cool. There... 
is a super famous picture that I'm sure everybody, even if you don't realize you've seen it, you've seen it. Um, and it's of Ira and five other soldiers that are raising the American flag on Mount Suribachi. That, like, super Hiroshima. popular statue? Yeah. yeah. He was so, in So, Ira was one of five survivors of his 45-man oh platoon. He was instrumental in identifying men that died so that they could be sent home and buried. Wow. Their families were at peace. That's heavy. Yeah, so he was like, he did a lot of good things because his platoon was 45 men, but there was about 200 and something men that died during that specific battle mm. in Hiroshima. So if you haven't seen the statue or the picture or whatever, it's called Raising the Flag at Hiroshima. So unfortunately, after the war, Ira suffered from severe PTSD, as you would. I don't know how the hell mm -hmm. you would make it out of a situation like that and not. And he also, unfortunately, became an alcoholic and passed away from that in 1955. Wow. So he was buried with full military honors at Arlington National Cemetery. He definitely made an impact on people because Ira was commemorated in art and film before and after he died. So he played himself in a John Wayne movie what? called one? Sands of Hiroshima. And he was the subject of a song written by Peter Lafarge called The Ballad of Ira Hayes, which became a huge hit when it was recorded by none other than Mr. Johnny Cash. Oh, what? And that was in 1964. So he was also portrayed by Adam Beach. He's a Canadian actor. Native. He plays a lot of Native Americans in movies. Like, I feel like we've talked about this before. He played it in Smoke Signals. Mm. And, I mean, he's in Dances with Wolves. Is he wind in his hair? I haven't seen that for so long. So anyway, he portrays Ira Hayes in a 2006 movie called Flags of Our Fathers, which was directed by Clint Eastwood. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's such a tragic end, but, like, he did so much. Well, like we were saying, like, to have... 40 of your men die and be one of five that survived. And then to be someone that is identifying people's remains. Yeah, no shit. Mm -hmm. Like that's for, like you said, with like the peace to bring a body home to a family. That's what I think that's too. That's huge. Yeah. Obviously I didn't add this in here, but one of the people that were in the photo with him, nobody knew who it was. So he also identified who that was and they were able to like tell his family, like, look what you're... Son oh. did. So, yeah, he did a lot of good stuff. That's cool, though. So, that's all I have. But we love you guys, and um, we hope you enjoyed this little history lesson. Yeah, I sure did. I know I, I did. I learned a lot. I could keep going. Me too. Okay, we will see you next week on Good Day. See you next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>